You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's Wednesday, July 28th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. The CDC has issued new guidance saying that everyone should wear masks in certain high-transmission indoor areas, regardless of vaccination status, as well as universal masking for schools. This comes as the Delta variant continues to spread throughout the country. Public health officials are also worried that more variants could be on their way and the system to sequence the genetic mutations of the virus isn't ready to track them. The U.S. is only sequencing about 10% of all COVID cases and more needs to be done so that another variant doesn't catch us by surprise. Cynthia Coons, healthcare reporter at Bloomberg News, joins us for more. Thanks for joining us, Cynthia. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk a little bit about tracking the virus. We're hearing a lot about variants a lot right now. The Delta variant is very concerning, but there are a number of other ones. But one of the things that we've heard about throughout the pandemic really is how bad a job we're actually doing about sequencing the genomes of the virus right now, following it and tracking it as best as we can. You know, in a lot of cases, by the time a variant is already taken hold or is really starting to spread real fast, you know, we're barely coming up on it. We're barely finding the sequencing for it. And uh, part of it is, you know, there's a handful of labs across the country that are working on it, but there's just not enough, at least here in the United States. So, Cynthia, help us walk through some of what we're seeing with this. Yeah, it's pretty surprising, actually. We have the technology. We do have labs up and ready to go. And there are people, very motivated scientists, willing and interested in doing this work. There just isn't a lot of money for it. And so one of the problems with genetic um, sequencing is that it's not paid for by insurance. So if you were to go get a COVID test, that might be covered by insurance. But the next step of taking that sample from the lab that tested you into a lab that would then do the genomic sequencing isn't covered. It has to be funded. Basically, typically, it's funded through public health and government money. And public health is chronically underfunded in this country. And this just falls into that bucket. So Outside of the public health realm, the other labs that exist to do this work are academic labs and some commercial labs that decided to just 
do it themselves and pay for it themselves because they can't get the funding. And what was remarkable was in the academic community, I just talked to so many smart people who had been ready to sequence and trying to get money for over a year. But there was just, they weren't getting grants. They weren't getting money because they were getting denied because money was going towards testing instead. Or there were people who just didn't recognize the need for surveillance early on. And then, boom, we ended up in the situation this year where we could see, and last year we could see Alpha, the UK, a variant of some we're calling it in the beginning, start to take over. And now, of course, we're seeing this with Delta again. So I think it's become really quite clear that we can't waste any time now. We need to unify the efforts that are going on around the country and really work our way into some communities where the the sequencing isn't getting done and allocate resources to do this really comprehensively. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the big worry is that another dangerous virus comes to the United States, we might be at risk of catching it too late. You know, it's going to take hold really quickly and we're not going to be able to catch up again. You mentioned how, you know, a lot of the early money was going into testing and, and all sorts of that. You you actually talk about a lab in Queens, New York, uh, the Pandemic Response Lab, and they started off as a big testing lab. Then everything kind of started dying down now. And then they moved into trying to sequence the genomes of this thing. They kind of just did it on their own. There was no direction for them to do it. They just saw the need for it. And we're doing it for free for quite a while as well, too. Yeah, that was really amazing. When I first got acquainted with them, I'd seen their data in an analyst note, and they had already captured that there was a certain type of mutation in a lot of uh, cases in New York City. And that mutation was important because it meant that if a patient had that mutation, if you gave them monoclonal antibodies, which is a type of treatment that's given to certain earlier stage patients, those wouldn't work. Basically, there was a mutation a couple months ago, very evident, it was very evident that that was working its way around monoclonal antibodies. So that was very important data. And so I thought, oh, let me, let me reach out to these guys and see what they're doing. And what I came to find was that they were not able to get the money from anywhere else to set up sequencing, but they were so motivated, partly by the scientific connections they had and some of the people they had hired, that they decided to just pay for it out of their own pocket. And so the company that started the Pandemic Response Lab, they're actually like a robotics um, lab supply company. So they had machines. That was one thing that they had going for them. And their business obviously benefited from some of the ramp up in in laboratory testing during the pandemic. So they had some funding to work with, but it's just remarkable that we were relying on a a large chunk of New York City sequencing happening through a group that was just doing it because it was the right thing to do. You mentioned uh, a little bit about why the sequencing is so important, but everybody's kind of goals of using that sequencing data is different. You know, on the federal level, they might have different goals on using that data and even more, you know, smaller, more granular, you know, state and local governments might have different ideas with that. But tell us a little bit about about why it can be helpful, because in the long term, pharmaceutical companies can start planning booster shots, things like that, which we've already seen Pfizer and Moderna saying we might need these, but they need to know which way the virus is mutating so that they can plan for that. Yeah, so it's interesting. When we talk about national priorities and local priorities, of course, there's this overarching priority of ending the pandemic. But on a national level, there's only so much they can do because we have a system where states run their health departments. So each state has its own health department, and that's why we've had different masking rules or school rules or or so on and so forth. We've had a lot of different regulations, so even in neighboring states. So that's just the way we set up our system here, and that's a that that creates you know some some impediments for the CDC to say go out and tell states to do X Y or Z because states have the opportunity and autonomy to make some decisions themselves. 
So at the end of the day, the local level, what you really want is you want your sequencing information fast enough so you're getting the data back in time to say, oh, wait a second, something's happening. We have a new mutation in this community because it's not as though you discover a mutation, by the way. A scientist wouldn't find one and immediately say, like, oh, we've got X, Y, or Z mutation. What they're discovering is a change in a disease that's oh, a virus that's constantly changing, but they're discovering it enough time to say that, oh, this is significant because they're also seeing the manifestations in the population of people say maybe more people are getting sicker or they're getting more severely ill when they get sick or it's a different age patient population. So they can sort of say, okay, this is happening. So this is really important to note because it underscores why you need more and more sequencing. You can't figure this out with just one or two samples here or there. You need a lot of this going on. But then they can do things like say, okay, we may need to reenact masking measures or we may need to I don't know, do school closures when there's a quarantine instead of just quarantining a classroom. I'm, I'm just, you know, spitballing here, right, but right. there's public health measures that they could use. But the most critical thing is there has to be enough sequencing going on and fast enough because right now the data is coming back in some places in two weeks, three weeks, the patient, you know, patient zero and all their contacts may be out of isolation already. And so we're not getting the data fast enough to figure out how to, to do anything with it that could actually change the course of the pandemic. How, how much sequencing are we doing right now in the United States? So the CDC estimates we're doing about 10%, which is actually a good level from just the strict. There's sort of these public health rules of thumb. Like we should be doing some say 5%, some say 10% of all positive samples to know what's going on. The problem with a country as big as the United States and something that quite a few scientists have pointed out to me is 10% as a rule of thumb doesn't really get to the heart of the matter. Because what we really need to make sure is happening in the U.S. is that we're getting enough samples from enough different places. So maybe we're sequencing really aggressive in, I don't know, Wyoming is actually a state that stands out that's doing a lot of sequencing, but it's a very small population. So we need to make sure that we're getting sequencing, say, North Dakota is doing sufficient sequencing. Or right now I've got Missouri and Arkansas, states that we need to have a lot of sequencing going on because their caseloads are rising really quickly. So saying 10% at the federal level, it's kind of hard to parse because their data that they give out, it's, it's not that clear cut exactly how much they're getting from what jurisdiction. And so in jurisdictions where they're not getting that much sampling data, they're lumping it with other states. And so that becomes harder and harder to interpret in terms of what's going on where. So the sequencing, the genetic sequencing has not been a big priority for some time, but the Biden administration did announce already some funding for this. I guess it's $1.7 billion in funding to make more of a priority of this. How is that going to be used? So there are a couple of different ways that money is going to be spent. Some of it's going to be spent on the state health departments, which is good. That's a really good way to allocate money because they need more equipment. They need more space. They need to be able to make hires, you know, have long-term bigger staff, et cetera. So that's a good thing. Then there's different chunks of money that are going towards things called centers of excellence. That actually, I think, is really quite meaningful, even though it's a little bit academic. It is partnerships between academic labs and state health labs. But what I found is that academic labs have a ton of capacity, but they have a really hard time getting funding or have had in this crisis. So that's going to be really important. But the CDC said that that money is not for the centers of excellence, not coming until fiscal 2022. And then the last piece is what they're calling a national bioinformatics superhighway. And that's to help make the communications a lot quicker because, see, the goal or the dream here that one scientist said to me, and I think it's really 
a perfect analogy is what we want is say like the national hurricane center style map where you or I could log on and say, we had a trip planned to Missouri. And then we take a look at the data and say like, okay, wait a second. I know what's going on right now. And I know X or Y or Z mutation is there. I maybe don't want to make that decision. That data should also be in the public's hands. And there's been a bit of a reluctance, I think, to make public data publicly available that quickly. I don't know if it's a reluctance or just a lack of, say, tools that have been built to do that, but I think that's got to be another priority. But the CDC has said that that is a multi-year project, yeah. so it's probably not coming anytime soon. Unfortunately, right? A system like that would be super helpful, as you said, just for a planning, purely planning thing, you know, for the public. But hopefully this is becoming more of a priority now. You know, for a lot of people, you know, the vaccines came and we thought the pandemic was getting under control and the Delta variant is really kind of wreaking havoc in a lot of the unvaccinated population. So it is something that we need to turn our attention to to continue monitoring how the virus is mutating. So hopefully we do get a handle on all of that. Cynthia Coons, healthcare reporter at Bloomberg News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety? struggling to find restful sleep or plagued by a restless inability to focus it's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living welcome to amen university founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert dr daniel amen dr amen alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions from debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 
24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.